What's going on, everybody? It is June 16th, uh, Thursday, 9.25 p.m. here on uh, Eastern Time in the good old U.S. of A. And, man, it is my pleasure and honor to be with you. Uh, we got folks in Birmingham, Alabama, Boston, Massachusetts, got all over the country. And I just got a message from a girl named Liz from Mississippi. So I'll definitely be reading that before the podcast is over. And still sober, still clean. So that that's pretty sweet, not feeling the cravings. One of the things I noticed was my sense of smell has been returning. Either that or I got some really stinky dog food. Because <laughs> I, I had to get some new stuff for the for the old pup there. And, uh, whew, it stinks. But no, seriously, seriously. I, I do feel like my sense of smell is coming back. Which is weird because it hasn't been that long since I've smoked. But maybe just, you know, the, the fact that in like the past year I have smoked less than in the two or three years prior to that perhaps. Like that's adding up. But I don't know. I just... It's kind of unique. I remember my cousin, uh, he was smoking dope pretty heavy for a while. He's just like me, go hard or go home, you know, especially with drinking. And I was talking to him after he had stopped, and he said, dude, I I don't want to start again. I said, why? He's like, because I can smell stuff now, dude. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, the other day I was making a ham sandwich, and I was spreading the mayonnaise on the bread, and he just goes... And I can, <laughs> he makes this face, it's like this, I'm not an orgasmic face, you know, but he was like, ah, like, it just smelled so good. <laughs> and I thought, man, I envied that. I envied that. I wanted a little piece of it. You know, you don't know what you're missing. I have a, I had another podcast and uh, I still pay for it to be up, but I haven't put any episodes on there in a long time. And I talked to a bunch of different athletes and one of them was, uh, she is a triathlete and a distance, like a marathon runner. The problem is she was basically anorexic. You know, she was uh, overtraining, chronically overtraining and chronically under eating. And what happened is, you know, eventually her body just totally broke down, right? Like injury after injury kept coming and coming and coming. And finally she ended up in the hospital. And so she went to rehab and she got out of rehab. And one of the things she noticed as she was walking around the street, like one day she said she just, she almost started, she, she did, I think, she started crying because everything was so beautiful, just the colors and the textures. She was seeing green in a way that she couldn't remember seeing it. Well, come to find out, all that malnutrition had damaged the rods and the cones in her eyes. This stuff just sneaks up on you, man, and that's where marijuana is. just like a, like a frog in a pot of boiling water. It just takes and it takes and it takes and it's slow and insidious, but it gets you. And you're, and you're not the person you were. And I often think about that as if my 20-year-old self met my 31-year-old self, what would they say? And uh, there's no question they would be ashamed and disgusted. You know, and that's that's hard. It's hard to think about that. I remember when I was 20 and being jealous of all those 30-year-olds and saying, man, wait, I'm so jacked right now. I'm so big right now. I'm so smart right now. Wait till I'm 30. Oh, these guys are slobs. These guys can't do anything. Look, look at him. You know, I'm already huge. I weigh 175 pounds. I'm squatting 385. I'm, I'm benching 295. I'm dumbbell pressing 110 in each hand. You know, look at these clowns. But I had to pedal to the metal. All right, there was no, no balance, and I was full of pride. You know, you couldn't tell me anything. I was going to figure it out for myself. Uh, you know, I mean, I appreciated the very best in the world. That's who I always studied. But I was not willing to take myself back to square one to do it right. You know, I just had my eye on the next goal, the next goal, the next goal. Chase, chase, chase. And uh, and that sucks. It sucks. It sucks to be in this spot. It sucks to be have to quote unquote born again. You know, I'm looking at new clothes now, right? Like I'm, I gotta change the whole persona, and I can't just 
put that invisible hat on. Like, I, I got to change everything. I, I got to. And there's something to be said for that, right? Like, if you're going into work, and I'm a teacher, right? I teach kindergarten. And if I'm going in with a, a blazer and a tie and a you know, pair, nice pair of dress slacks, I'm a different person. I mean, there's no question. I'm, I'm, I'm a more professional man. And the days I go in and I'm in a T-shirt and a pair of athletic shorts, you know, it's, you know, I'm, I'm different. I'm more casual. It's, it's just true. Maybe it's not like that for everybody, but I suspect that there are times in your life when, you know, you dressed up and then you, you changed your behavior accordingly, right? And then you dressed down and you, and you changed your behavior accordingly. I don't know what I'm going to do for tomorrow. We're having this 25-year uh, service recognition dinner and uh, retirement dinner. The school was a swamp today. I'm talking a cesspool. It was 90 degrees at least inside of school. You could cut the humidity with a knife. You were like swimming down the hallway. The The floor was soaking wet because the concrete was cold and the air was so hot. Kids were slipping and falling all over the place. It was wild. And, uh, and it was a shitty day because... I did not have a lot of stuff planned. For some reason, I thought a group full of five-year-olds and six-year-olds would enjoy just hanging out, playing games and whatnot. And uh, that's not the case. They need structure. Kids need structure. Kids need something to do. Kids need to be pursuing things, right? They need a mission. Uh, I find that it happens with, with young men, you know, in the 10 to 14-year-old category especially. You know, why are they tearing it up at home? Well, because you didn't give them anything to do. You know, they got all this energy, they got all this curiosity, you got to direct it, you got to channel it, you know, give, give them something to feel satisfied about, to chase, and to give themselves a little pat on the back when they're done, because essentially that's what video games have done, right? Like all that, that thirst for conquest has been stolen from our young men in this country and our young boys, because they can just log online, you know, shoot some uh, animated simulated characters, and then they sign off and they're like, yeah, I'm a badass, but in the real world, they did nothing. Um, and unfortunately, those games are set up for you to win, right? So actually, you weren't even that badass because uh, you're going to win anyway. If you didn't win, you wouldn't play the game. It's fucking wild. Anyway, um, listen, this note from Liz is fantastic, and uh, I want to go ahead and, and get right into that. So uh, she says, What's up, Jonah and listeners? I just want to start by saying that I tried to record an audio, but due to the fact that I am simply not articulate enough, <laughs> parenthesis, I wonder why, I decided to go to the pool to write instead. Mind you that every time I finally got to the pool, I realized I forgot something, like the key. Then it was the towel. Then I get inside the gate, only to realize I left my entire journal that I was going to write in. Either I'm a major dumbass, or it could be the fact that I've been smoking daily for 12 years. This is getting really old, and it's not even fun anymore. I know there's a lot more of us in the same boat than we think, so I thought I'd do my part by sharing a little bit of my personal journey. Uh, I started smoking weed in high school, back when it was so fun, and I've been chasing that fun ever since. I started my first year of teaching high school this year, and I got heavily involved with booze and drugs. For example, I was taking Adderall to keep me focused at work, but then I was so high-strung that I needed a bottle of two or wine to erase the nerves when I got home. I didn't even think about doing my lesson plans until I was under the influence of XYZ. By the grace of God, I completed my first year. And on a good note at that, I developed amazing relationships with my coworkers, admins, students, and their parents. I suppose I'm a functioning addict. When things got bad enough to throw the towel in, I finally mustered up the courage to go to an AA meeting. Since that day, I haven't touched a drink. 45 days. While that aspect of my life is great, I am noticing how insanely addicted to marijuana I am. And honestly, I'm consuming it more than I ever have. It's obvious that I'm trying to replace the things I stopped, such as booze and harder drugs. You'd think if I could quit that, then quitting weed would be a walk in the park. 
However, I find it quite the opposite. You see, I have a lot of tapes to play forward whenever I'm contemplating drinking. All I have to do is think for two seconds where it has taken me in the past, and the craving passes. But weed is such a tricky area. It's natural, it's pretty legal everywhere, it's not addictive, blah, blah, blah. But if you're an addict like me, you'll find a way to make weed a super addicting habit. Someone told me alcohol isn't bad until you give it to an alcoholic. Anyway, to wrap it all up, I just want to say I'm nervous about being on summer break and trying to stay stone cold sober. I'm on day one, and my approach is to just tell myself, not today. I've said this a lot, and the next thing you know, I'm taking a bong rip. This time it feels a little more real, especially after spending my morning listening to nearly all your episodes. Thank you so much for not getting too stoned to even create this podcast. Uh, Yeah, rock on. Rock on, Liz. Man, I have been there. Listen, there was a time I went to a concert and uh, drinking with the boys from college. Really my first time doing that sort of thing, being out at a big festival and, uh, again, hanging out with some college guys. And, of course, the concert's over, and what are you going to do? I'm, I'm intoxicated. Like, I'm heavily drunk. And I get in my car, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to drive back. You know, just about two hours back to uh, my apartment at the time. I get in, and I literally can't get out of the grass-covered parking lot, you know, because we're in a field, without smashing the entire side, passenger side, of my Honda Civic against the telephone pole. I smash the rear taillight, scratch and dent up both the doors, totally blow off the mirror, and smash the front headlight. So a normal human being would say, okay, you're obviously too intoxicated to drive, but as I was extremely intoxicated, I just continued on. What happens? Well, it's a downpour, torrential downpour, thunder and lightning. I am flying on the thruway, going 120, 125 miles an hour in this super light lawnmower, basically, you know, I don't know how I didn't hydroplane. Insane. Every time I see a U-turn, I'd hit the brakes, slow down, go past the U-turn, crank it back up again, right? Because I didn't want to get a ticket. And somehow I made it back. And when I got back, I was still fucked up. And my friend at the time was like, oh my God, you are super drunk. Did you drive all the way back here from there? I said, oh yeah, yeah. And you look back on times like that and you realize... Like she said, it's easy. It's easy to look back on where booze was just a terrible, terrible experience where you, where you just crippled yourself. And I do feel like God, you know, whoever that is, the great turtle in the sky, or as I relate to it, um, you know, Jesus Christ. I, basically, that's how I relate to God. That's my culture as I as I grew up. That's the how I understand it. He, he saved me for something, man. And I use he not to be like some gender asshole, but again just a you know cultural thing like he saved me for something and i f- i feel like his teaching my whole life has been directed here and there i've worked so many different jobs now i'm finally in quote unquote the dream job finally made it finished my master's degree i'm teaching but y- you think back and it's like fuck me like there are so many times booze has screwed up my life you know terrible mistakes that you've made friends that you've hurt um you know death that you've almost hit just times you've flat out embarrassed yourself, right? Like we all have terrible drinking stories. And that's the thing about AA is when you go to an AA meeting, if you're a first timer and you say that, they'll have like a first timer meeting. Like, okay. And they usually go around and they kind of share their, uh, like a quick synopsis of their story. One of the tricky things about being an alcoholic or sharing these stories is that you don't want to celebrate it. You don't want to make it seem cool. 
but it's it's hard not to, right? Because sometimes it is kind of cool, right? Like, I, okay, I woke up naked in an attic. <laughs> I was covered in urine. Uh, the kid that I was drinking with was still passed out. Apparently, he had broken the toilet after I passed out. I found my clothes, I got on my bike, and I went home. Uh, you know, that really happened. That was college. And it's funny, but it was not funny at the time. You know, it, it was a different house. It was two girls. I trashed their place, like... It's fucked up, man. Really, really fucked up. Can you imagine if someone did that to you now? Right now, at 30 years old, can you imagine if someone came in your house, got so fucking drunk, they pissed all over themselves, fucking took off all their clothes, and then just left the next morning without saying anything or doing anything? Like, what the... I would be furious. Absolutely furious. But in college, for some reason, it's like, oh, okay, that happens. So weird. So ass-backwards. Uh, but pot? Mmm... Not so much. I mean, you do some dumb things to get pot. I think everybody has that kind of a story. Uh, but I will say, you know, in terms of marijuana, I've passed out more than once. Uh, I've got, I think, what's called complex sleep apnea, where there's a little bit of obstruction in the sense that I have a giant tongue, and I used to have a big underbite. But I don't snore a lot, but the, the, there's a central aspect. Central sleep apnea is like your nervous system. And so your nervous system's not telling your body to, to breathe, you know, it's not act, it's not um, interacting with the carbon dioxide levels in your blood and brain, so I'm thinking that when I smoke, I'm sort of tapping into that pathway, and uh, I just forget to breathe when I get super stoned, like, I'll be standing, at least when I'm talking, like, really stoned with some potent shit, you know, you. I remember being in my friend's kitchen, rolled this fat J of blueberry, and uh, we were smoking that, and then all of a sudden, I'm on the floor looking up. Everybody's terrified. He and his wife, what the heck just happened? What? Oh, I don't know, man. I just passed out, like straight up, forgot to breathe. So, but those things. And here's the other thing about it. What's interesting is, you know, okay, yeah, some nights you don't remember with the booze because you blacked out, but weed definitely affects the memory. I mean, Liz's story tells it perfectly. How many times have we done that? How many times have we stoners like, I'm gonna do this thing. I'm gonna go to this place. Oh, fuck, I gotta go back in the house and grab this. Oh, shit, I forgot to grab... Oh, shit, I forgot to grab... Damn, I'm halfway down the road, I gotta turn around. Constantly. It is constant. And so I would encourage anybody out there who's who's struggling with this, man, just get a day. Just, just do it. Just get a day under your belt. And if you smoke the next day, like, fuck, at least you got one day. At least you got one day. And I'm not anybody to talk, okay? I'm not, I'm not preaching to you because I don't fucking know shit. I haven't been six months free from marijuana in a very, very long time. Um, I had gotten in trouble once, and this is why I was going to AA meetings, actually. Um, but you know what? I lived I lived in Vermont once, and I went to an AA meeting over there. And uh, it was not because of the booze, though I was drinking a little bit. Um, it was because of the weed. And so I just went in and said I was an addict, um, which, you know, is, is like somewhat acceptable at AA meetings, even though it's um, about alcoholics. But this sounds shitty as hell. It sounds really, really shitty. Okay, and don't crucify me. I'm sorry, but one of the reasons I liked going to AA meetings is because you look around and you're like, fuck, I don't want to end up like these people. You know, I don't want to end up broke. I don't want to end up lonely. I don't want to end up, uh, you know, just emotionally defeated. I, I don't want to, I don't want to end up like this. Like, it's a good wake-up call. It's like, this is my future. You know, it's staring you in the face. It's real. People can tell you, you know, where you're going to end up, but until you see it, until you get a taste of it, it's all abstract, right? Like, you don't 
there's no reality for reality doesn't exist unless you experience it. That would be what I've learned from Vipassana. And uh, I was pretty jacked up when I started this podcast. You know, I had a nice big dinner. Uh, but man, I'm winding down fast. I think it was because of the sun. I'll do another podcast and I'll talk about the sun. That I, I talked to this guy once about grounding and fucking electrons and all sorts of crazy shit and how important the sun is and why people should go out in the sphinx position and face the sun. It's crazy. It was crazy, man. He's ahead of his time. But now that the sun has gone down, I am. I do sense myself winding down. So let's get right into scripture, okay? We got Proverbs. We're up to chapter 16. And uh, this section is about Proverbs encouraging godly lives. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of a man are clean in his own sight, but the Lord weighs the motives. Commit your works to the Lord, and your plans will be established. The Lord has made everything for its own purpose, even the wicked for the day of evil. Everyone who is proud in the heart is an abomination to the Lord. Assuredly, he will not be unpunished. By loving kindness and truth iniquity is atoned for. Oh, sorry about that, my guys. By loving kindness and truth, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one keeps away from evil. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. A divine decision is in the lips of the king. His mouth should not err in judgment. A just balance and scales belong to the Lord. All the weights of the bag are his concern. It is an abomination for kings to commit wicked acts, for a throne is established on righteousness. Righteous lips are the delight of kings, and he who speaks right is loved. The fury of a king is like messengers of death, but a wise man will appease it. In the light of a king's face is life, and his favor is like a cloud with the spring rain. How much better is it to get wisdom than gold? And to get understanding is to be chosen above silver. The highway of the upright is to depart from evil. He who watches his way preserves his life. Pride goes before destruction, and a haughty spirit before stumbling. It is better to be humble in spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. He who gives attention to the word shall find good, and blessed is he who trusts in the Lord. The wise in heart will be called understanding, and sweetness of speech increases persuasiveness. Understanding is a fountain of life to one who has it, but the discipline of fools is folly. The heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bones. There is a way which seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. A worker's appetite works for him, for his hunger urges him on. A worthless man digs up evil while his words are like scorching fire. A perverse man spreads strife, and a slanderer separates intimate friends. A man of violence entices his neighbor and leads him in a way that is not good. He who winks his eyes does so to devise perverse things. He who compresses his lips brings evil to pass. A gray head is a crown of glory. It is found in the way of righteousness. He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit than he who captures a city. The lot is cast into the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. And may the Lord bless our scripture. Uh, man, wow, awesome, awesome. I, I won't bore you guys with the rest of my 
gobbledygook here. Let's go right into our friend Michelle Kwan. I grew up watching figure skating with my mother. I don't know. What can I say? I loved it because I grew up watching it. There's some tremendous, tremendous athletes. If you don't know, Michelle Kwan is an American retired figure skater. She's a two-time Olympic medalist, a five-time world champion, and a nine-time U.S. champion. Amazing, amazing athlete. Love watching her. And our quote from Michelle Kwan, When I look at the kids training today, I can tell which ones are going to do well. It's not necessarily the ones who have the most natural talent or who fall the least. Sometimes it's the kids who fall the most and keep pulling themselves up and trying again. Remember to find satisfaction in the struggle and peace in the moment. We'll see you next time.